The Cowboys selected Jake Ferguson in the fourth round of the 2022 NFL Draft. What's his upside and what role might he play right away for the team? All that and more in this episode of Lockdown Cowboys Podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your Locked daily Dallas Cowboys on. podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Locked Network, your on. team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On listeners get $50 off $500. Just make sure you use promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout. I am Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. He is Landon McCool. Check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, we're going to be diving into the day three picks for the Cowboys. But how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, I had a nice little deep dive to kind of further learn about some of these guys. And I'm excited about a couple of them and, and what they can do for the Cowboys this year. Yeah, let's uh, let's just jump right into it because I know you guys are interested in our uh, thoughts. Let's start with Jake Ferguson, tight end from Wisconsin. The Cowboys took him in the fourth round. We had an idea that the Cowboys were kind of hunting a tight end third, fourth round. We thought maybe Jeremy Ruckert, maybe K-Dot, and Charlie Kohler went one pick ahead of the Cowboys, but they land with Jake Ferguson. What are your thoughts on the player after having a few days to watch him? Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I think he's a little bit more athletic than I – anticipated or, or at least you know my first viewing I, I it just feels like uh his ability to kind of separate at the top of routes um and and, and frankly you know the one thing that I, I guess i just didn't notice the first few times watching him was uh he has some ability after the catch you know he has an ability to kind of swim over and 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 make the first guy miss and get a couple extra yards um you know i think that the the thing that we're seeing here is that he's being kind of uh, uh touted as a as a blocker as a as a guy who could come in and i mean he's not a he's not a you know trained killer yet or anything like that but he's he's more than solid blocker coming in the tight end position uh but i think that the thing that really provides value for what he can do is that he's a very solid two-way player i think like you said he can block but he can also uh, uh create separation he can also catch the ball he has really good hands so uh he has value i think right away you know, being in a 12 personnel uh, with with Schultz, uh, and, and it still doesn't tip off the formation. It's not quite like, um, you know, putting Sprinkle in there, and and mm. and and uh, it's not that Sprinkle can't catch a pass, but I think this guy might have a little bit more upside there as a pass receiver, uh, and it just puts another body out on the on the field in 12 personnel that is uh, going to be able to catch the football, going to be able to you know be a get in the way blocker because that's basically all tight ends are nowadays. Um, and, 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 and do those jobs at a level that, uh, is not going to get his team killed. You know, I, I think right away as a rookie and then I don't, where, where does he develop from here? I think that's really the question I have after mm -hmm. watching him is where does he go from here? Uh, and how much better can he get? Yeah. A couple of background things on him. He's uh Barry Alvarez's grandson, I believe, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Cause every time that he would catch a touchdown, they would show Barry sitting in the press box. 
uh, I watched I watched a, a thirty minute video of all of Jake Ferguson's catches so did uh, throughout I this morning. his career. Yeah. And I swear to God, the first ten catches of his career, the announcer uh, mentioned, "Man, his uh, grandfather must uh, be excited." By the way, his grandfather is Barry Alvarez, and it's just like it's the point that all the announcers were hitting every single time he made a catch. Yeah, uh, that's the big thing. Um, all right, let's uh, let's let's talk about the athleticism here because I think this is really interesting. Um, he's not straight line fast like you I, no. I think was it four eight two was the 40 yard dash four eight one at the combine four seven three at the pro day so he's probably a four eight athlete now the good thing here is the 10 yard split is really good uh one six one according to the electric timing at both the combine and the pro day that puts him in like the 90th percentile however i saw a couple different people from nfl draft scout which is like a database of NFL scouts where they put all this information in had him at one five, five hand tell, which puts him at like the 98th percentile. That's more important for a tight end than a 40 yard dash because most tight ends aren't running four yards. It's about how quick do you get off the line of scrimmage, right? That's really good. And then on top of that, the three cone, which is yeah. one of the most important drills for a tight end. How quickly can you get it in and out of your breaks? 703 at 250 pounds. That's very good as well. I think that's the 86 percentile. So the two athletic testing drills that I care the most about, he's really good at. Yeah, and I, and I would even say that if you go and watch his tape, like he like you mentioned, he ran a four eight one at the combine. I think you said a four seven three or four seven one at his pro day. To me, he he's close on tape. He looks closer to a four seven one athlete than probably because of the the ten yard stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so because, but I, I you think... notice, I, I will say, I, I watched that same 25-minute video from the Big Ten Network on all of his receptions. You can count on your hands how many receptions he has down the middle of the field over like 12 yards, right? He's just not really a seam stretcher. Yeah, I mean, I think I also think that part of that was uh, some of the quarterbacks that he had on those on those teams. But yes, you're you're right. They're not necessarily. He's not like a seam buster. He's not like what you imagine Blake Jarwin doing. No, this guy to me like really is a great fit as a tight end too. He's not going to be your primary target. He's going to be a guy that uh, you like the. Uh, uh, the the mismatch that you he probably will create with whoever is the defender that is going to be put on your tight end to, right? You you feel like he can at least get open enough to catch a a, a pass and fall forward for a first down. I think that that's what this guy is. He's a useful player who can catch the ball, can be a reliable receiver. I mean, he's got very very good hands. Uh, he's he's the guy that when Dak gets all the progressions. He's the last one and he's there and you may be open for just a second and maybe you get like a six yard gain to get a little bit of something when there's nothing else there. That's the kind of role I think he is. He'll come in in specific packages, be a blocker, you know, maybe be a pass protector in in, in large in protection schemes where you need to bring it, leave the tight end in. Uh, and then sometimes he'll go out as, as a pass catcher. And when he does go out in those instances, he has enough athleticism to present himself open uh, for a window and then catch the ball when it's delivered to him. I asked a long time Wisconsin, uh, let's just say somebody that works with a team. 
about Ferguson. Was it Barry Alvarez? <laughs> no, it wasn't Barry. Uh, he said, this is the thoughts overall on Ferguson. He said, I'm, I'm reading the word for word. He's good. He's a bit limited athletically. The thing with yeah. him is that people got really excited about him as a freshman, um, but he's basically been the same guy every single year. Yeah. He's limited. He has limited athleticism, but he's a good player. He's, he's experienced four-year starter who came from a run-first offense, projects as a high-end tight end too. Exactly. That's kind yeah, of what I, you said. Um, I think that that's where he can grow into. Is he's already a tight end two. I think he can grow into a nice tight end two eventually. But there's not a ton of room. There's not a. Ton, you can see a ceiling from here. I, would I, say. I think he's pretty polished right now. Like there was a couple yeah. of routes that I sort of noticed. Like on third and six, he's coming back to the football to beat the, yep. the beat the the safety to the ball. And I think he's. I think he can get better as a blocker. I think he could actually get a little bit stronger. Um, he sometimes will make nice plays after the catch. Sometimes he'll kind of juke a little bit and guys will run past them and stuff, but that's not really his game. But I think why I was a little bit more down on the pick is I was hoping that the Cowboys would draft a tight end with one trait that you can really hang your head on, whether that's elite athleticism or an elite blocker or somebody that's really good after the catch. And that's just not Ferguson. He's kind of one of these good at everything, great at nothing tight ends. That's a trait. You know, versatility is a trait. And, and you're right. You're not right. He doesn't have a dominant trait. He's not a speedies guy. He's not, uh, you know, you don't really see the the kind of offensive tackles as tight ends anymore that's going to no. bury folks. He's just very polished. He's he's a very experienced tight end. He's played, you know, like you mentioned, he's a redshirt freshman and started pretty much right away at Wisconsin. He played three years. He's played a ton of snaps. Um, you know, I think it was something like 1,300 snaps total in his career uh, as an inline blocker. That's mm -hmm. a lot, you know. So he has a ton of experience doing things that an NFL tight end would do. Uh, and I, that's why I think he's a very high floor player. And, and actually, that's why I kind of like him is because, you know, look, I mean, you could go and draft Charlie Kohler. You could go and draft some of these other guys. And I think that they would be more useful receivers, more useful uh, playmakers down the road. But what you get out of Jake Ferguson is instead, and, and not that this is better or worse or anything, this is just a different thing, right? What you get instead with a guy like Jake Ferguson is a guy who's already ready to be plugged in in that tight end two spot. He, he he's, has a ton of experience. You're not going to ask him to do a lot, but whatever you ask him to do, he's going to do well. And I think that that is that sort of, valuable role player that can help you have that kind of versatility to play more 12 package personnel stuff. I think that that has value. And I think Jake provides that in a way that you may not have been wondering if you could do that with some of these other tight ends, if you sure. drafted them, because they may not be ready to quite see the field yet. Um, I, my comp for him, Cowboy fans probably aren't going to like this, but it's uh, Anthony Fasano who didn't have a great career with Dallas, but actually yeah, ended absolutely. up having a really nice tight end uh, career with Miami and Kansas city later on in his career. And that's, you know, the, I mean, again, like Fasano is a good example because I think Fasano, it took a little while to kind of develop into the tight end that he was. And that's why he didn't have a great career with the Cowboys, but he did have a long career. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's the thing. They drafted Fasano to be a, a, a high end tight end one eventually. Uh, mm -hmm. The difference here with Ferguson is that I don't know that there's that expectation immediately. Uh, I think right now they want him as a tight end too. We'll see what happens with Schultz. But if Schultz leaves, I don't know that the necessary plan is to plug this guy in as tight end one right away. Uh, I think he is, you know, has a very, he has a role and I think he's has a very useful role and I think he's going to be ready to fill that role from day one. I just don't know how much further above that role he's going to get. 
Uh, don't disagree. Uh, all right, let's let's take a quick break so we can tell you guys about Blue Nile. Are you looking for some fine jewelry for that special woman in your life, but you're having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every single budget. On BlueNile.com, you can easily navigate through thousands of fine jewelry options at every single price point. In this Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Lockdown Cowboys listeners will get $50 off $500. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Make sure you're using promo code LOCKDOWN. Again, promo code LOCKDOWN. Plus, every single order is insured and it ships free. Go check out BlueNile.com today. All right, let's talk about the Cowboys' first fifth-round pick. We've got quite a few to get through. Uh, and talk about Matt Well, let's go Offensive tackle from North Dakota. Not North Dakota State. But North Dakota, Landon, what are your thoughts after getting a couple days to, to research them and think about them? I mean, first of all, anybody who's got a North Dakota tape, please hit me up because uh, there's not a ton out there. Uh, I, you know, I was able to, to watch. I actually was able to find the Senior Bowl practices uh, and kind of re- go back and rewatch some of those, which was great. Um, first thing I, I wrote my notes were, what a ball of clay. Like, I mean, this guy is like, if the idea is that you have, you know, a, uh, an impressive, uh, uh, marble block that's been put out in front of a, uh, you know, a sculptor, this is an incredible piece of marble to start with. He is long. He's, I think it's 36 plus inch arms, which is Mm -hmm. just ridiculous. Extremely tall player with skinny arms and legs. He looks like a basketball player. I mean, yep. he looks like he, he looks like an NBA player. You know, uh, I, honestly, the first thing I thought when I saw him was, do you remember that player uh, from Arkansas? I can't remember. He played with a bunch of different player teams in the NBA. Uh, Big Country or Big yes. Country Reeves? Yep. Yeah, he kind of reminded me of Big Country. Uh, well, just kind of looking at him at first, but he's just so skinny. He has tons and tons of room to to grow. And I mentioned. He's already six, six, seven and a half and 312 pounds. He can easily add 30, 35, 40 pounds easily. like on that frame. Easy, easy, easy. Because he's so, so skinny. His arms and legs are just like sticks. Uh, he's incredible mover at his size. He, like I said, he looks like an NBA player in the sense that he's very nimble despite being so lanky. Um, raw is sushi that's still in the sea. I mean, his skills are – He, I wrote that he looks like a guy imitating someone doing a pass set. You know, it, it doesn't look like it's natural to him. It doesn't look like it's uh, uh, something that he's comfortable with yet. It feels like it's something that he's being told to do, and it's not quite second nature with him. Uh, despite looking awkward, uh, you know, he displays so much good flexibility in his pass set. He isn't just some big guy that they put out at tackle. He clearly yep. has some physical traits that are going to translate to ta- uh, to tackle. Uh, he his natural gifts. <laughs> and the funny thing is his natural gifts and like the flexibility, his length, and all that uh, it, combined with his kind of shaky technique, it makes for really interesting situations. There are times when his technique is horrible and he wins the rep because he's just so long and so quick. And then there are times when his technique is correct but he loses the rep because he he doesn't exactly understand what he's doing with the technique. 
he bends too much, which is to be expected because he's not patient. And it's probably because he knows that he is not strong enough. And so he's trying to constantly, it's that thing with tackles that happens all the time. When they aren't strong enough, when they aren't confident in their core strength, they try to reach to get their hands on the defender first because they think that by initiating contact early, they're going to win the rep. But what ends up happening is that they bend over and then they get completely you know, burned around the side. Where does he win? He's an explosive mover with long arms. And unanswered questions are, do the Cowboys have the time to develop this guy, the amount of time that this guy's development is going to require? Like, how? What is the mechanism for keeping a guy like this on the roster long enough to develop him to a point where he could become a useful player? Okay, so this is how the Tyler Smith pick actually helps him a little bit. Yes. Uh, so last year... They carried four offensive tackles on the roster between Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, Terrence Steele, and Ty Naseki, right? Uh, so they, they had four tackles. This year, going into camp, they have Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele, and Josh Ball. And that's really it, right? And the idea is that if Tyron goes down, Tyler Smith is going to slide out the left tackle, right? So you actually do have a fourth tackle on your roster. He's just going to be starting at guard. So if you want to keep somebody like, well, let's go on your 53-man roster and not expose them to other teams, practice squads or whatever, you can have them be you know, on your roster and be that 53rd guy, just not have him active on game days. I think that's the strategy here and probably the plan. But you're right. He, he's not ready to play. Like He, he needs no. at least – I mean, I think at least a year, at least a year before you can consider him the swing tackle and probably two years. But the good thing is, is we've seen we've seen developmental projects like this work before. I think about Alejandro uh, Villanueva, who the Steelers played at left tackle for almost a decade. He was in the Army. Same thing. Six foot eight, 315 pound guy that was just a great athlete that they taught him how to play the position. So I, I do think it can happen. I should also mention third longest wingspan ever for an offensive lineman, fifth longest arm length ever for an offensive lineman, plus 99 percentile athleticism. You rarely see that combination together where a guy is big, long, and athletic. That's why there's a lot to like here, despite very average and very underdeveloped tape. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's such a great point about you know the kind of uh, coherent plan that the Cowboys have. I think, I think we'll discuss that a little bit more with Damone Clark. I think that there's a very, you know, coherent plan there. Uh, and I think that you're completely right with let's go, right? They, they, this is a situation where because of the way that the Cowboys have constructed their roster, because of what they've got in Tyler Smith, you know, there, there is, there is a means to kind of hold him onto the roster. I think if you go that route and you're going to likely see Matt, well, let's go take some snaps this season and it may not be pretty right away. Uh, but I think that, that there is a possibility that if injuries happen, that he may have to come in like in game for a couple of snaps, you know, just because he's on the roster. And if you're if you're bringing him on the roster, then the, the, there's a, a chance that injuries happen, that, that he will get to play. Yeah. The best case scenario would be everybody stays healthy or at least doesn't get uh, hurt long term. And well, well, let's go basically is your your weekly inactive. I mean, yeah. that would be yeah. that would be best case scenario. And then by hopefully by this time next year. You've got a much more developed player, a guy that has actually gotten a chance to, you know, put some some strength onto that body, uh, and that, and then suddenly he can compete for that swing tackle spot, and you know, hopefully maybe a starting position down the road. 
I, I think he's really going to take Isaac Alicon spot, the, the international player that they had last year, whether that's on the 53 man roster, whether that's as a developmental project, he just has way more tools, right? I wouldn't uh, be surprised if they moved Alicon to guard at this point, yeah, you know, probably they, they're, they're looking like they want more of these bigger guards yeah. and, and maybe, maybe that's what they do. They looked at Alicon as a guard a little bit yeah. last year too. So maybe that's what happens. Uh, the good thing about, well, let's go is he's improved pretty significantly over the last three years. Uh, he was invited to the East West Shrine game. He was there for a day before he got to call up to the senior bowl game. So, and then he comes to the senior bowl and, Listen, the technique is all over the place and th- that kind of stuff, but he didn't really lose all that often. There was a couple of times where he got Boy Mafi on the ground, and yeah. I mean, maybe you could call holding on a couple of those, but I, I didn't think the jump in competition looked overwhelming for him, at least. Uh, you know, there were a couple reps against Ebikake that I thought, you know, and, and actually those were the reps that I was talking about where it, it, it where I mentioned – he it looks like he did everything wrong, but still won the rep, you know, because he was just able to keep in front of uh, Ebikaki long enough to kind of push him out of the way. And then there were times when his pass set looked as good as it could, and he just got completely destroyed. So, I, 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 and and I think that that's, you know, this is Ebikaki is a guy that's a top two round, maybe even a first round if things had fallen right, pass yeah. rusher. So that's not surprising. Uh, I think that that, if anything, it shows you that his physical tools are such that even with a limited skill set that he has, every once in a while he can win a rep against reputable uh, NFL pass rushers. That's that's a hell of a good starting point for a developmental tackle. Uh, So just say he weighed in at 312 pounds, but like it was a struggle for him to get to that weight. Like early, I think he was like 270 when he arrived in North Dakota. And he's just been trying to put on weight. So that's why I think, man, if you can get him two years where you don't have to play him and you can get him into a weight program and you work on his technique, I think his body could look completely different, you know, two years from it. Listen, we saw this happen with Terrence Steele a little bit, right? Yeah. Nobody expected Terrence Steele to be able to come in and play. and Nobody wanted him to play, and he struggled. And then we saw after a year of being in the weight room, kind of eating right, all of a sudden look like a much better player. I don't, I'm not predicting that, well, let's go. It's going to develop like that, but you can see what can happen if you get the guy into the right strength and conditioning program. We'll see in the fifth round. Why not? Why not gamble on somebody like this? If it doesn't work out and you cut them, we're not losing sleep over a fifth round pick. It's really not a big deal. Absolutely. Especially with the, with the, the surplus of fifth round picks, the Cowboys had this. I loved this pick. It's an athletic upside of the position. One of the power, the money, five positions, I'd do this all over again every day. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's uh, take one more quick break so we can tell you guys about Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some snacks for the go. Built Bars are the absolute perfect snack uh, when you're, you're on a family vacation, when you're golfing, when you're going on a walk. Whatever you need, Built Bars is there for you. Uh, Built Bars have only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your average candy bar that has 240 calories and dozens of net carbs, and it's not even a contest. So go to built.com to get all of your delicious flavors, including banana cream, raspberry, double chocolate, and more. Uh, again, built.com, promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, Lena, let's talk about Damone Carp. Uh, a linebacker from LSU. We've we've spent a couple shows talking about him, but let's specifically talk about 
how he fits into this Cowboys defense. Because I think everybody knows the story by now. Likely a second, maybe third-round pick, early third-round pick, if he doesn't have the, the spinal uh, surgery. Highly athletic. Led the SEC in tackles last year. But how does he fit into the Cowboys' long-term plans? Well, first, let's talk about kind of what I had teased a little bit earlier about the kind of coherent draft plan here. Uh, I think that this draft selection combined with Sam Williams is a, a, a step towards truly freeing Micah Parsons. Uh, you, you draft two guys who play the kind of two positions that Micah plays, mm-hmm. and now you've got talent, young talent, at the at each one of those positions, so you feel like you can move Micah back and forth without really fearing uh, a huge loss at either spot, right? So imagine a year from now, and our third down package is... You know, Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons on one end, and then Jabril Cox and this guy, Damone Clark, as your two linebackers. Mm-hmm. Man, let's go. Like that—that's that, a group of really athletic, well-moving linebackers that can, you know, cover. And let's say you want to—you want to change it up. There's a special guy out there that you want Parsons to be on. You move Parsons back out, out to the linebacker, to, and then you put Sam Williams down there. I think that to me, the combination of those two picks really helps your young superstar uh, defensive lineman, linebacker, defensive player, whatever you want to call Micah Parsons. And so I think that I that's why I really loved uh, getting this pick because to get a guy like this guy in the fifth round was incredible value. Where does he fit? I, I mean, I think that this guy, if he can come back healthy, he can come in and, and be that Mike linebacker that you need. In, He's in a middle situations. linebacker, right? He's got yeah. great size. Yeah, he's got really great size. He's not a huge... Uh, you know, none of these linebackers are nowadays. He's not huge as a take on guy. He's got very kind of inconsistent uh, uh, play there. But man, I mean, he moves so fast. He uh, he drop, gets into his drops quickly and he clicks and closes downhill very fast in the past game. Uh, yeah, he's a very easy mover for being a guy who's, you know, 6'3", 235 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, basically he, you know, has only experience as, from what I saw as an off-ball linebacker, but that's basically where you're going to be playing him. Uh, his feet, feet are always moving, but somehow always end up planted when he needs to generate power. Uh, you know, he's violent. Uh, you know, he wore number 18 at LSU, which is a big deal for anyone who's not aware. Like that's like a, a, a sign of honor. It's a, it's a, it's a, a number that's passed on. I think he wore it two years in a row, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Uh, it, it's just, it means that he is the leader of that defense. He's a high character guy. Uh, you know, he's just a very motivational guy. If you see him talking about recovering from his situation and it's just, it's, it, he's very driven, I I loved this pick because again this is a talent that I would have easily I would have had no problem frankly taking at 88 or maybe even at 56 if we had been wiped out before uh, and the fact that we got him in the fifth round I understand the spinal surgery is scary and whatever you say spinal fusion yeah because he had terrifying. a herniated disc I believe is what it was yeah it's it's scary but if you can get this guy to recover and it sounds like the Cowboys you know medical team seems confident that he will recover. Uh, it's one of those situations where you feel you feel that uh, you feel like he 
uh, if this is something that can be recovered by through hard work, you know, if hard work and in, in, in your recovery means anything, that this guy's going to do whatever it yeah. takes to work himself back into shape and to be ready to play. If not at the end of this year, then definitely by next season. And I think that's partly why the Cowboys felt comfortable here, as they felt yeah. not only was the player really good, but the character is really good. So, like, yeah. we, we just don't have to worry about that. Like, if he's healthy, this might be a, a, a starter for you. And yeah, if it absolutely. only costs you a fifth-round pick, why not? Now, this is back-to-back years the Cowboys have taken a linebacker kind of coming out of college that has some durability concerns. But when you're in the fourth and fifth round, again, it's not a big deal. Like, I, I get the sense, and I could be wrong, that the Cowboys maybe are looking at the linebacker position differently now than they did a few years ago, right? Like, Micah is different. I, he's a pass rusher whatever. But I think that the – off the ball guys, I just don't think they're interested in paying those guys a ton of money after they got burned by Jalen because I think they know they can be up and down and they don't last very long. So grab guys on day three, sign guys to one-year deals like you did with Leighton Van Resch, and then just kind of move guys in and out. And if you can get two guys on rookie contracts that you feel good about, uh, like Cox and Damone Clark, uh, I think you're ahead of the game. The position has a heavy level of attrition. I mean, running back it, next to running back, it may be the most, you know, physically demanding position. Jalen Smith worked insanely hard to get back to even being on the football field. Played basically one season of high-level football before his body already started breaking back down again. So, I t- I tend to agree. I think that these guys, uh, they 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 kind of need to be rotated out. You know, sort of like running backs. Uh, you just keep them coming. Just keep them coming because their body's going to take a ton of punishment throughout the season. Their careers aren't going to last very long. Um, and, and it's why, you know, when people like uh, uh, Bobby Wagner come out, that a lot of teams necess- weren't necessarily uh, chomping at the bit to, to, to get them because those guys, can su- their games can fall off a cliff very suddenly. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and not that Bobby Wagner is going to necessarily do that, but you just never know, right? You just never know when, when, when their bodies are, are just not able to keep up there. So keep those linebackers coming. And it feels like, once again, the Cowboys got an incredible value in the thir- day three uh, for a guy that uh, coming out of LSU, no less, that that, uh, that mm-hmm. he felt like could have been a day two pick at linebacker position. I don't know that that trend's going to stop. I feel like you're going to be able to consistently get high-level yeah. linebackers later in day three you know, maybe moving forward just because there's so many of them. Yep. Uh, now the, it's probably should be expected that Damone Clark's going to be on the NFI list, right? Yeah. So he's not going to play. I would be shocked if he plays this year. We'll see. I know Steven Jones is optimistic, but I think it actually makes a lot of sense to long-term you put him on the NFI list. Uh, you just don't worry about him this year. We'll see what he looks like in training camp next year. Uh, but are you worried about the Cowboys overall linebacker depth right now? Because they have, Leighton Van Der Esch, Micah Parsons, who's going to play multiple positions, Jabril Cox coming off an injury, and then it's pretty shallow the rest of the way. No, because I I think you can go get some more veteran linebackers. Like you know, and again, linebacker is a position that you can get that kind of LB three and four off the street. If like, that's right. If I, I wonder, like if if Van Der Esch went down. Like, do they sign KJ Wright like in week two if they needed to? Yeah. If they needed to, they can. Or you know, listen, let's look, look what cuts are gonna look like. Yeah. You know, I mean, like post post uh, you know fifty three man roster cut down, there might be some linebackers available. Well, and we so, should also remember, I mean, J Ron Curse is really a linebacker for this team. Yeah, they're gonna play one traditional linebacker 
And then J. Ron Curse is that kind of the, the nickel guy, right? So how often do you need two traditional off-the-ball linebackers on the field like Leighton Van Rush and Jabril Cox? And you're probably only talking about 30 to 35% of the snaps. And in that case, it's probably going to be Parsons and Van Rush or Parsons and Cox, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the Cowboys, if I'm not mistaken, played as little base as anybody in the league. I mean, I, I think they were yeah. one of the heaviest nickel teams in the entire league. Uh, and, and and again, even in that situation, one of those linebackers was a safety. So uh, I, I do think that, you know, they are going to rely on kind of the interchangeability there. Uh, McQuamu is another guy there who I, I, I think you're not, I mean, he's a safety, but I think you'll, you might see him some more uh, kind of mixing into that role. So I think that say these kind of box safety type players are going to mix in there. Uh, the line, the true linebacker position is kind of a fluid situation when you have these kind of players on your roster. Uh, and, and this is just, like I said, a team that doesn't play base defense very often. So yeah. um, you're just not going to need three linebackers on the field very, very much. So, I think that if they need more guys, they can go sign a veteran guy, yeah. you know, someone who can give you 10 to 15 snaps a game. But, but you know, I think you need to be careful there because, honestly, if you don't – if you go sign a veteran guy, you need to make sure that all these other guys are playing special teams because you're already dealing with uh, Damone Clark, who's probably not going to play this year. Jabril Cox is coming back, but, you know, he was kind of an up-and-down special teams player from what, what we remember last year. He got hurt on year. special teams. Yeah, and and so I think that you just need to make sure that you're keeping an eye towards your your special teams units if you're bringing in a veteran guy and you've got a guy on a red shirt year and you got a guy coming off injury and you got Micah Parsons who is not going to play special teams. Yep. Uh, all right, that is it for today's show. Tomorrow we're going to finish up our draft review by talking about uh, a couple more late round picks the Cowboys made. Uh, John Ridgeway. We're going to talk about De- uh, Devin Harper, a linebacker they drafted. And then a corner, Deron Bland. By the way, I was looking at the Cowboys cornerback depth chart right now. Uh, did you know that all of their numbers are single digits now? They've yes, I, I, I noticed that they just changed all of them. and, all, and they, It all just happened at once. It's just Cal- crazy. Calvin Joseph is one. Jordan Lewis is two. Anthony Brown is three. Donovan Wilson is four. And Trevon Diggs is seven. Or Sorry, Donovan Wilson six. And Trevon Diggs is seven. Kind of funny. Just eating up those early numbers, aren't they? They they just they got they cornered the uh, the pork equipment manager and made him give them away all the single digits. I love it. It's fantastic. It's <laughs> gonna look so awkward out there when Molly Cooker at number twenty eight is playing in secondary. So yeah, it is. Uh, all right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube, Locked On Cowboys over there. You can also check us out on Twitter at Locked On Cowboys. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosher. We'll see you guys next time. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Locked On. Locked On. Locked On. Locked On.